Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, and thank you, podcast listener, for coming back once again to the Living Your Dash podcast. We're so grateful that you've joined us, and especially today because, Rick, you started a brand new series called Passing the Baton, but uh, I got to tell you, I, I guess I should offer my condolences to you and Mary on the bad news from your doctor that uh, you're going to die. Uh, but I guess congratulations are in order because not only did he not give you a uh, prognosis of when your demise will be dated, but you're not even sick. <laughs> so, Rick, why did you choose to open the message in such a shocking manner? Well, you know, Sean, as a, as a speaker, when you're in front of an audience, the first thing you want to do in your introduction is you want to get people's attention. Ah. And believe me, when I said I'm going to die, that got people's attention. It got real quiet. Immediately. Yeah. I, I, you know, there was one little corner, I think, cheering up yeah. there at the, at the news. But my goal was to just shock people into the reality of thinking about something that they don't like to think about, yeah. that is their own mortality. Sean, none of us, none of us are going to get out of this alive. Yeah. None of us. <laughs> and so the goal of this series is just to remind all of us we are all, we're, we're all mortal. Yeah. And uh, we can avoid that fact all day long, but at the end of the day, the facts have not changed. So that was the goal in shocking people by announcing my impending death. Well, uh, goal achieved. So you, you reminded us of two, you know, speaking of, of those unavoidable things, you reminded us of two unavoidable facts that, first of all, we're all terminal, <laughs> that, that we're all going to die. What did you say in another sermon earlier about how uh, the mortality rate? Uh, it, yeah, it, right now in the world it stands at 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so every, every and then the second one is that every leader and we're all leaders of something right of ourselves our part in a marriage at church at work etc <clears throat> every leader is an interim but that's not really true is it because I'm the current and permanent pastor of connection at grace and you're the permanent current and permanent pastor at grace what do you mean by that well first of all you're wrong um, what yeah you were you're half right Oh, you're the current connection pastor. I'm the current senior pastor, but not the permanent. Uh, There's nothing permanent about you, Sean. I love you, but you're not permanent. <laughs> you're just temporary, right? Okay. You're you're, you're temp, you right? Know, you're, you're temp around here, you know. Yeah. And so am I. And now the word current, that's that's really important. That a person says currently, here is where I am serving. Here's my role as a leader. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the promise of tomorrow. Yeah. But we don't like to we don't like to think that way. We like to think, oh, I'm the permanent pastor at Grace Community Church. And so what happens is we, uh, to use the old line, we we have people who uh, live by that famous river in Egypt, denial. Oh my god. The denial river. Yeah. People live in denial, Sean. <laughs> and the big part of denial is, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to do what I do right now forever, and uh, the answer is no, you're not. Yeah, yeah. Why is it that we are, we really are so averse to thinking about? Well, I'm I'm just I'm not going to die. I'm never going to retire, and this is this is what I'm I'm always going to live in my house. 
I'm always going to drive my be able to drive my car. And why is it that we we don't think about the inevitability? Yeah, it's because we love the routine and we hate the unknowns. Yeah, and see if. if I know what I do every day. See, that I'm, I'm in a routine. I've been doing this 45 years. I know how to do what I do, and I love the familiarity of that routine. Yeah. Now, if I retire, what am I going to do the next day? I have no idea. I've never done it before. So it's the fear of the unknowns that drive us to live by the river denial. Wow, wow. And it's a sad thing, too. I, I mean, I'm thinking, I know you have many examples, but I'm thinking of... Of, of a couple people that I've met um, in ministries, both here at this church and elsewhere, where they just, um, they, they pine, they long for the days that used to be. And that will not only, not only are, not, are they not coming back soon, they are never coming back. And uh, they, they're stuck. They're yeah. really stuck. And, and that's a sad place to be. Yeah, I had a friend who had a t-shirt and it said, the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> And it's really that this problem of, of, yeah, the good old days. Yeah. You know, the good old days weren't that good. That's right. Uh, we just have this nostalgia when we look backwards, but we have fear when we look forward. Yeah. It's fear of the unknown. And it, it, it's sad because it because of that irrationality, it keeps us from really engaging and being a positive force for not just right now, but even in the future where we could be of great benefit. Absolutely. So, you know, actually you use the backdrop of your own investigation into your own succession as a means of teaching the rest of us. So I got to say, well played, sir. Well played. So now, for the record, are you announcing your retirement or resignation right now? Absolutely. Oh. Yes, I will be retiring or dying, whichever comes first. Ah. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you're not saying you're going to do it like right now. I'm saying that I will be retiring or dying. Yeah. And uh, I'm announcing that. And Mary and I will be leaving. Would you like to know when we're going to be leaving? Yeah, when? When I die or retire. (laughs) Okay. I can't give you a date. And we laugh about this, but I don't have a date. I don't have a date. Our deacons right now are in the process of putting together wisely a succession plan. And this will be not just for me, but for the next guy and the next guy. And we want to get that plan in place. And then once we get the step-by-step plan in place, then they just said, Rick, just tell us when to pull the trigger. And we'll pull the trigger. And then we will begin a healthy process of... Retirement, yeah, in the future, yeah, yeah. But just to be clear, no date, no date, no date. You heard it here, folks. There is no date. You know, I really appreciate you and the deacons. I think that because honestly, this is the first time that I've worked at a church ever that I've heard them talk about this in a sane way. Nobody getting hot under the collar. Nobody getting um, irrationally fearful about something. We're, we're all you're. You're just walking through this in a nice, calm way, it's going to be a beautiful process. I'm not saying that we won't experience ups and downs. I, I mean, I, it'll be very difficult. I'm going to say it right now. It'll be very difficult to work for anybody else besides you. Um, but I, not, not for your sake, but for the sake of the Lord, because I think that that's what you expect of me. You know, you'd say to me, Sean, you work for the next guy, not because of me, but because of the Lord. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we do. We want to do it in a healthy, public way, uh, no right. secrets. And my guess is most of the people listening in right now have been in a church where it was a succession was done in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. It was decisions made in a back room, <clears throat> and then one Sunday morning, suddenly an announcement, oh, our pastor is leaving on Thursday. And you go, what? Mm-hmm. That's not healthy. Yeah, and we're not going to do th- we're not going to do it that way. Wow! Praise God for you and for our deacons. So you use the, for yourself the metaphor of landing a plane. Why, why? Why is there a lot of truth in that for all of us? Well, I just when I was talking to the deacons, I said, guys, just to be perfectly honest, you know, I, on this as a pastor, I, I'm. I somehow got my career off the ground like a plane. I got it off the, and I've been flying for 45 years. So I, I know how to get it off the ground. I know how to fly it. I have no idea how to land this thing hmm. because I've never landed my career. Yeah. So this is going to be a learning experience for me, for our church, for our deacon board. But uh, my goal, and and the one thing that we are all agreed on, is I want to bring my career to a safe and healthy landing. Yeah. And again, sure, it's going to be a challenge uh, because there's there's just so many unknowns. Yeah. Uh, how are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? How are we going to get the new guy in place uh, to be my successor? Yeah. Uh, how are we going to put Rick out to pasture? Uh, all of those <laughs> questions are going to are going to be a part of the decision. But you know. Somehow we got the plane off the ground. I bet God can help us land it. Yeah, yeah. I think it, that uh, we're all reading the same book next. Um, by the way, do you think that book would be helpful? Is it m- really more helpful for pastors and church leaders? Or I know it's a, it's a great book for <clears throat> anyone. And some other people have been reading it, and they go, oh, my goodness, this applies to my life. Uh, and they're not a pastor. Yeah. So, yes, if you've never, uh, well, if you're really wanting to get into Developing a succession plan. The the book next N E X T. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, what's next? Yeah, it will guide anyone in making a wise plan of succession. Next by Win- William Vanderblumen. Is Absolutely. that right? Yes. I'll, maybe I'll put the the, uh, Ooh, the link in there to Amazon. Be great. Be great. You know, as I think about the this this plane analogy, uh, I, again, I just I praise God that you're saying, God, you guys, I, I'm going to get off the plane soon. I'm not saying when. But uh, but I, I've seen it over the horizon, and uh, but what's going to happen is I'm going to make sure that the next pilot that that comes on board, you can trust him. I'll make sure of it, and the, those who are who take care of this plane, they're going to make sure that he's trustworthy. And I really appreciate that. I, I, why why is it that um, I don't know? I, I think that a lot of us are under the false assumption that the plane's going to land itself or. I don't know, maybe, oh, I know it, I'll, do, I'll just do a flyby of this airfield and see if I like it. But if I don't, I'll just keep going. Why, why is it that we don't, we don't like to face this? It's the human tendency, Sean, that if I don't think about it, it's going to go away. Right. It's like the, the person who, health-wise, you know, they feel a, they feel a lump on their, on their body and they go, ooh, that doesn't look good. But, you know, if I don't touch it, Surely it'll just go away. I'm not going to think about it, and I'm not going to go to the doctor and get it checked out. That's a bad decision. That's a bad decision. Yeah, you know, and and to, to change the analogy, I remember when my wife was in the delivery room 
with her first child, first uh-huh. delivery, and uh, the, the pains are really kicking up and and it's hitting. And I remember she looked at me dead serious and she said, I've changed my mind. I do not want to have a child. <laughs> and she was dead serious and she did not appreciate it when I snickered. And that's the whole point is, uh, no, there's no turning back. Yeah. Uh, you're going to give birth or for the pilot, you're going to run out of gas. Yeah. You've got to land this plane. Yeah. And it's frightening, again, because of the unknowns. Yeah, right, right. You know, you you said that every church is wise in developing a succession plan for its pastor. If I'm hearing you right, you're also saying that every person is wise in developing a succession plan for their own life. Um, wh- what does that mean for, well, can I give you some examples? Sure. And then maybe you can just comment on it. Like, for the business owner? Um, the second person might be a manager at a company, okay? Uh, or a staff person, not at a church, but, but someplace here in town. Maybe they're in their 40s or uh, at a small or larger business. Um, or maybe they're a stay-at-home mom. How about those, those four? Well, those are great. And do, the, do those individuals need a succession plan? Absolutely. Hmm. Let's say you, you own your own business. Okay, what happens when you retire? Yeah. Or... or what happens if you have a heart attack and die? Uh, do your, does your family know where the key is to the front door? Do they know about the inventory? What do they know about your business? Uh, you, you need a succession plan, and key people in your life need to know what that plan is. And so you mentioned a manager at a company. I mean, it's a great question. But that person needs to say, okay, who follows me? Hmm. Uh, if I... If I move, if I get promoted in the business, who's coming after me? Mm. And a big question is, do I even care? Wow. Do I care enough about my company to invest in the the succession plan of whoever follows me? Yeah. I love your one about the, uh, the staff person in their 40s at a small or large business. Here's the problem. It's the person who says, you know, I'm 40, I'm young, I'm invincible, this whole mm-hmm. succession thing is irrelevant. I'll deal with that when I'm 65. No, when you're 65, it's a little bit late. Yeah. A little bit late. The earlier you plan, the wiser your plan will be. Yeah. And even even the stay-at-home mom, Sean, and I have seen where, for example, a mom will, her whole life revolves around her children, uh-huh. getting her children educated and getting the soccer practice and piano lessons. And so the question that mom needs to ask and answer is their life after the nest is empty. Mm. And many women go through a, a difficult transition period when their children leave. It's like, oh my goodness, the purpose of my life has now been ripped out. What mm-hmm. do I do now? Wouldn't it have been wise for that mother to say, when my kids leave and the nest is empty, what what am I going to do next? Yeah. Am I going to do a part-time job? Am I going to get more involved in a community interest? What are my passions? Yeah. What, what would I love to do? That mom needs to be thinking ahead. Wow. You know, I guess something occur- occurred to me while you were going through some of those examples, and, and that is that oftentimes we find our identity in the things that we do. Um, For me, I'll be very honest, it's very difficult for me to separate my identity from my vocation, my calling and what I do. 
but I know that that's not true. I know that there, maybe because of recent things that have happened in my life that I've seen, yeah, that's not true. There, there's more to me than simply what I do at, at the church, which is it's just kind of a funny thing because I'm, I'm also a part of the church. I'm not just an, an employee at the church. Um, but wh- what do we need to do? Are there some questions that, that, I know this is kind of off the hip, but what are some of the questions that maybe we need to ask ourselves to make sure that, hey, your identity is more than what you do, and that actually fuels succession? Yeah, and this is especially difficult, Sean, for pastors, hmm. uh, we're, because our identity is so tied to what we do, and it's like it's on steroids for yeah. us. And so when people say, hey, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm a pastor. No, you're not. You're Sean Lee. Yeah. <laughs> that your job is, your, your calling, Yeah. And, and that's a big part of it is in the ministry, you sense a calling from God to be a pastor. And sometimes uh, you don't think about that as, oh, I'm a manager at a store. I don't feel it's God's calling on my life. And so sometimes your identity is not so intertwined. Uh-huh. And this is why one of the, the, the great bits of wisdom that has been shared with me is when you retire from something, you need to retire to something. Wow. And if you don't have something to retire to, then all of a sudden you just feel lost. You feel yeah. useless. I don't have a purpose. I have no meaning anymore. And those people do not survive well. People get into crisis, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And many many men die young. Yeah. They die young. And it's kind of the rocking chair syndrome uh. of I've been a I've been a high executive making major decisions for so many years. And now my biggest decision, am I gonna have oatmeal or scrambled eggs for breakfast? <laughs> and and the mental step down in the decision making process, a guy just feels like I'm done. Yeah. And very often we'll We'll die. Yeah. We'll die within three to five years, they say. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they haven't really lived, you know? Yeah. Let me ask this question. What would you say to the person that's their, their retirement scares the heck out of them because they really don't know what to do? They, they, they're frightened not just because of maybe they don't care about the income. They're probably fine. The problem is that they haven't taken care of the inside. What would you recommend that they do? One thing that will help is to identify your passions. Mm. And you know, I mentioned retired from and retired to. Yeah. One of the, the, the uh, positives that I've seen is when a, when a person says, okay, what, what, are, what do I love to do? Mm-hmm. In fact, what are some of my passions that I would love to do now, but I can't because I'm working 50 hours a week at my job. But if I retire, I would have time to to serve in this nonprofit organization. You know, I have a real, I have a real passion for um, caring for the, the hungry and the, and the homeless. Mm-hmm. Well, find organizations uh, where you can plug in. Maybe, you know, you care about things in the community, right? Run for office. Yeah. You've never had time to do that before, but you've always kind of had a passion for, uh, you know, serving on the city council or the, the, County commissioners, look into that. Yeah, look into that. That's let your passions guide 
your retirement. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've talked about or touched on this once before, um, not necessarily on the podcast, but over the years in ministry, the importance of understanding our purpose. And, and in fact, I think you may maybe even said, have you written out your life purpose? You've whittled yours down to two words even. Yeah, teach scripture. <clears throat> That's what I do. I yeah. teach scripture. And so is that important, I think, for, for people to really, really sit down, maybe ask a pastor um, to, to ask, what is your, have you ever written your life purpose statement down? Going through that process will be an extremely helpful person when they face retirement. Yeah. For example, I mentioned my, my two words, I teach scripture. Yeah. So when I retire, I will not retire from teaching scripture. I will find some other place, not as a senior pastor, but I will go to a senior pastor. Wherever we move, I'll go to the senior pastor and say, hey, listen, I teach scripture. Put me to work. Yeah. Give me opportunities to teach scripture. Wow. Now, you know, I, I don't uh, do children's ministry. <laughs> I don't do youth ministry. I teach adults the scripture. Yeah. And so I will find some way to continue to do my life purpose. Yeah. I will just do it in a different context. Right, right. How exciting. Okay. Can I, can I stop here and, and ask this question? What if all this succession talk, it just frightens me. It makes me nervous. I don't like talking about this because of the logical conclusions. Uh, you even said you made up your own obituary. I mean, that's, that's morbid. You know, why would you do that? Why keep why, why, why should I press through the pain? Okay. Now, I want you to listen very carefully, Sean. You know, uh, all this talk makes you nervous. Are you ready? Here's, here's my advice. Get over it. <laughs> you okay. have to get over it. You have yeah. to face reality. And really, what, what all of us have to do, we have to admit our own fears of the unknown. Right. And somehow just admitting, you know, I'm a little bit worried about what's going to be next because... I can't see it and I don't, I can't write it down and I can't nail it down. Just admitting that kind of gets it out into the open. Yeah. Now, you mentioned about writing my obituary and why I did that. I really did. My obituary is in a binder with all my (laughs) other information. Here's why I did it. It was, it's my final gift to my family. Wow. When I'm gone, I do not want my family going, okay, we got to write up the obituary for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody know, you know, when did Rick graduate from high school or college? What's his degree in? When did he, when did he start serving in community Bible study? Yeah. All of those facts are written in my obituary. So all they have to do is make a copy of it and take it into the newspaper. I, I'm saving them hours of time yeah. at a time where they don't need to be spending hours doing things like that. Yeah. Um, one thing that helped me, Sean, and they're out there, is get a family planning binder. Oh. They're available uh-huh. out there. I got mine from an insurance salesman. Oh, wow. A lot of insurance companies provide these binders for their clients. Uh-huh. And it, it has a page. Okay, what are all of, where's your bank? What's the what's the uh, your, your number, uh, yeah. your account, your account number? number. What, what, and, and nowadays, Sean, very important, what are your key passwords? That's right. You say, oh, I've got them all in my phone. Great. Does anybody know how to get into your phone? <laughs> well, no, I can't tell anybody yeah. how to get in my phone. I've got to keep that a secret. secret. Yeah. And so guess what happens? You uh-huh. get hit by the truck, 
And there the phone is. Nobody can get into That's it. That's right. You know, and do, do you have all that written down? So a family planning binder will guide page by page by page your family members at a very critical emotional time in their life. It will be the greatest gift you give to your family. Yeah, yeah, boy. And and having been, and both of us have, have talked with families that are grieving, and they, they're, they're in a state of shock. Uh, and it, I have never actually seen that. I've never seen anybody actually prepare. I've seen them do some of the other rudimentary things, like prepare certain instructions things like, and things like that, but never the obituary. And it's, it's already hard for the family uh, to try to adjust, wrap their heads, they're in shock about your death. But how much, how much kinder it is for you to give this one last gift and really, it's not one last gift, it's, but it's a, it's a special and important gift when you can do that to, for them. If you, have a, if you have a retirement plan, you have a Roth IRA or a SEP, put in there the contact person. Oh, yeah. Put in there Excellent. their phone number. So all those phone numbers are written down. So my family, they're not even going to have to go finding a phone number. Yeah. All they have to do is look at my binder. Yeah. Rick, one of, one of the things that, that was very clear and that we need to be, th- is that, and you mentioned this in the message that, that we need to be thinking about the next generation. I mean, we always really think about the next generation, but you were very specific. You know, first, but I have to say that, that it makes me feel like that my generation is, is not important. Is that wrong? Yeah, you're, yeah, it's wrong. Your generation is important. Here's, here's the way I look at it biblically. When you, when you read in Deuteronomy over and over again, it says, hand these truths to the next generation that the terminology in the bible is to your children yeah you know you hand these to the to the next generation and so i'm a baby boomer so biblically i feel like my primary responsibility is to your generation sean gen x the baby busters or some people call them Mm -hmm. that's my responsibility is to hand it on to you now if you will look right now at our pastoral staff, guess what you will see? You're going to see Gen X. Mm-hmm. Gen X. Yeah. Now, your responsibility, Sean, you're a Gen Xer. Your responsibility is to hand it to the next generation. That would be the millennials. Mm-hmm. Now, how are you going to do that? I don't know. Yeah. That's your job. <laughs> it really isn't my job. And the one thing I do know, I don't relate and connect very well with millennials. Uh-huh. And maybe because... Maybe by God design, yeah. that's, I don't want to spread myself so thin. I'm trying to reach five generations every Sunday morning. Wow. I can't do that. Yeah. So I try to reach my generation and the next. Your job will be to reach Gen Xers and the millennials. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I guess this recalls why the mission of the church is so important. Um, the mission of a church, specifically grace, is Far more important than the senior pastor, isn't that right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so when when you, so that's what you meant when you said when the leader dies, nothing of God dies. Is that right? Absolutely. the The mission remains. Methods change, culture changes, methods change, mission doesn't. Leaders, they come, they go. The church remains. Yeah, I I appreciated how you put, um, how you put it this way that. Um, Israel, the country of Israel, when they were just about to go into the promised land, Israel needed a Joshua and not a Moses, like Moses 2.0. Can you expand on that? 
Yeah, when you study the life of Moses next to the life of Joshua, you see they had very different job descriptions from God. Very different. Hmm. Uh, Moses was not a commander of armies. Yeah. Joshua was. He, Joshua was a military strategist. He would be more like a, a General Patton. I mean, his job was to go in and have battles and win battles and drive the pagan Canaanites out of the promised land. Yeah. That was Moses wasn't that kind of guy. Yeah. Moses had much more of a shepherd heart. Uh-huh. Um, leading people, trying to corral people, get them back on. How am I going to get these people 40 years going around in circles in the wilderness? So <laughs> you think about it, seriously, Moses was more of a circle guy. And Joshua was a head-on guy. Yeah. Uh, He was moving forward, taking the land, allocating the land of the 12 tribes. Wow. So different personalities, different skill mix, um, and that's very important. That's amazing. Rick, thinking about Joshua, should we be thinking about our own Joshua uh, around grace to pass the baton to? Um, Like, just focusing on ministry leadership, what, what kind of habits... Should we be developing as we prepare to pass our own baton? I saw a great example Sunday morning after my sermon. A guy walks up to me and he said, Rick, I know what you're talking about. I'm a small group leader here at Grace. I already have an assistant. Mm. And he said, I'm training that assistant and I'll let him lead the small group sometimes. And he said, so eventually I'll be able to hand my small group over to him. Yeah. And I, I thought, well done, well done. Yeah. That's the habit. It's it's always thinking, what's next? Yeah. What's next? Who's coming next? Who can I turn this over to? Yeah. Uh, now that takes a lot of humility, but that's how it gets done. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's it's kind of um what is it? Not selfish, but it's uh a little egotistical, maybe to think, well, I'm the only one that can do this, and I'm the only one that should do this. Nobody can do it as well as I can. <laughs> yeah, a good dose of humility helps there, first of all. Yeah. But, you know, the goal is, for, for the wise person, is that, that word delegate. Yeah. Who can do it as good or better than I? Yeah. And they're there. People can do it. I mean, you... you what you do now, Sean, there was a day you didn't know how to do it. You nope. had to learn. Yeah. Well, the next guy, he's he's going to have to learn. And guess what? He'll get better. Yeah. But he will not get better if he has no opportunity. So That's right. When I started Grace, I was it. So I preached 52 sermons a year. Yeah. Well, now I preach 40. Guess what right. I'm doing? Every month, on average, you guys preach one Sunday. Yeah. So 12 times a year... Um, you guys are preaching 40 times I am. Wow. Why did I do that? Well, I want to train and mentor and equip you guys in your leadership skills. Boy, I sure appreciate that. Rick, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Can you dream with me a little bit? Um, let's say it is three years after you left Grace as the founding senior pastor. What, what do you pray will be happening? Yeah, as I look around, uh, I would hope, Number one, that we have a good, healthy staff, because I think everything rises and falls with leadership. So I would want a good, healthy staff. Uh, I would definitely <clears throat> want the church moving with the same vision of helping people find and fulfill God's purpose for their lives. 
And what we just talked about a moment ago, that what I would love to see different is that you guys would be reaching that next generation. Yeah. Would, man, I'd love it to come and visit in three to five years and see half the audience out there full of millennials. Yeah. That, to me, would be a great, great victory. And I, I used to have a, a, a professor in college, and he said, you know, guys, what I want to do is pass on to you everything I know, but at the end of your life, I want you to know a lot more than I know because I want to lay the foundation but don't be satisfied with the foundation. Build on the foundation. Yeah. So I would love to see in three to five years that the new person has really built on the foundation that we have laid. Yeah. So I, I realize that that's kind of a trick question for our audience because, you know, why is it that the rest of us do need to take that to heart? Yeah. It, you, life goes on with or without your permission. Wow. So grace will go on with or without my permission. So the question is, see, some people say, are you going to leave a legacy? Everyone leaves a legacy. Yeah. It, it can be good or bad. Yeah. I want to leave a good legacy. Uh, and, that, and of course, that's my goal is to leave a good legacy. How do you do that? By humbly going through a process in a healthy way, bring the new person on, and get out of Dodge and let him lead. Yeah. That's what Moses did. Wow. Amen. Amen. Rick, fantastic message. Thanks so much for sharing. Anything else that you want to add on to that? Uh, no, I, th- I think we covered it, but the challenge out there for everyone, not just <clears throat> pastors, everyone put together a succession plan. Wow. You will not regret it at the end of your life, and neither will your family. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, for the moment that we have all been waiting for, uh, this is Rick's Quote of the Week. All right, Rick, what magnificent morsel of a message do you have for us today? Okay, we've talked about dying and not being in (laughs) denial about that. So here's my my quote is from uh, the comedian Woody Allen. Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Take that one to heart. Oh, my. Okay. All right. Everybody write that down. Crochet it on your pillow or something like that. Okay. So, Rick, what else is happening here at Grace? Well, this coming Sunday, we move up, move forward. Week two of Passing the Baton, we're going to look at the second great biblical transition in the series. And it's when King David handed it off to King Solomon. And it had a rough start. It was yeah. a little bumpy. There was a coup involved. Wow. But they made it. They made it. And so to me, it's a great example of when you when you have any kind of succession, you're going to have some bumps in the road, maybe little, maybe big. But how do you navigate the bumps in the road? So yeah. uh, that's coming Sunday. Also next week, Sean, here at Grace, we're, we're sponsoring Financial Peace University and if you are in debt, if you struggle with finances, if you don't have a plan for your, your future, like we talked about this morning, yeah, I promise you Financial Peace University will guide you in the process. I speak from experience because I went through Financial Peace. I learned incredible tools mm-hmm. that put me on the road to a financial success in yeah. my future. So. Come and find out about it. You can uh, find out roswellgrace.com. Go to our webpage uh-huh. and uh, look for financial peace. Click on, you'll get all the information. But it starts 
next week. And yeah. this is one of those you do not want to miss any of the sessions. Amen. Amen. Hey, can I can I give a little bump to we're having our class 101 uh, coming up on the 23rd. And what is class 101? Class 101 is discovering membership. And, you know, we talked earlier about the importance of understanding the church's mission. Um, and that's when you get up, Rick, and you'll talk about the mission of the church and why it's, it is more important than you. And uh, it's more important than me. And uh, so it's a, uh, it, uh, every church ought to be able, you, you should be able to know exactly what their mission and values and, and purposes. And if uh, they don't know what it is, if you ask the pastor, I, you know, you know, honestly, I know what it is, but I just couldn't really tell you right now. If they don't know what it is right away, uh, I'd be thinking, hmm. <laughs> Great point. So that's coming up uh, January 23rd. 23rd. It's a Sunday night. We'll feed you. We take care of your kids. And we have a lot of fun. But we fun. also do something very important. We talk about the importance of being a member of a church. Yes. Uh, you do not want to go through life and face some of the struggles alone. That's right. And that's what the church is all about. It's uh, fellowship. Two fellows in a ship. <laughs> better to or that way. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.